Our discussion today in 110 lessons for life from the teachings of the commander of the faithful, Imam Ali, may God's peace and blessings be upon him, brings us to tradition number 25 in who we should seek advice from. Now we know within the Quranic context that seeking advice is one of the most important things a believer can do. And in fact, it is so important that Allah, God, actually names the chapter of the Qur'an the chapter of the consultation. So we see that consulting with others, especially those who are experts in the field in which we need help and advice in, going forth and asking people who are experts in certain areas that we need assistance in, is not only a, uh, a logical understanding of life, but it is also a Qur'anic mandate to go forth and ask people for assistance, but also to be working in a consultative fashion. And we see that this is an aspect of many aspects and areas of our life, from political ruling to economic policy to social issues. Many areas of our life we rely on consulting with others and to work in a, in a, in a, in a mentality or in a group setting where we can take input from many other people, consult others who are experts in their respective fields, and take guidance from them. Today in the tradition from the commander of the faithful, let us reflect on his words which he gave to his governor, one of his governors that he sent towards Egypt uh, when he appointed him as the governor and see what advice he had for him and also what he has for you and I. In this tradition, Imam Ali, peace be upon him, says the following. Do not accept the advice of misers in your decision-making process as they will try to keep you away from doing good to others and threaten you with poverty. And do not allow cowards to act as your advisors, because they will try and make you timid in enforcing orders. And do not allow the greedy to act as your advisors, as they will make oppression to be something beautiful to you. In this tradition, the commander of the faithful gives us guidance in terms of how we should govern ourselves and lead societies, or lead communities, or in fact even lead our families. By, uh, by basing it upon three specific segments of people who we should be consulting or who rather we should not consult when it comes to matters of the decision-making process. As we see in the beginning part of the tradition, he says don't consult with people who are miserly, who are stingy, who are cheap, because they will obviously be looking at life from that perspective of being miserly individuals. And if you want to go and have a policy of spending, of, of uh, you know, giving to the community or giving to the society, such an individual would threaten you with poverty, that if you give this much in, in, you know, in, in grants or subsidies or support, then you yourself and the, and the government will actually fail because of the economic policies that you are trying to implement. So at the first level, he says that don't advise or don't take a miserly person as your advisor in life because they will look at life from that perspective, from the eyeglasses of somebody who, are, who is a uh, person who does not like to spend. He then says, don't also allow cowards within your decision-making process, people who are not brave and who are you know, timid and who don't want to um, you know, uh, be strong in terms of their leadership ability. 
because he says if you have somebody who's timid and shy and not brave, who's a coward, then they will try to dissuade you from enforcing the rules of the system. And so he says if you're looking for somebody to help you enforce the rules of a government policy in whatever aspect of life, he says make sure you don't choose people who are timid, who are a bit you know, uh, apprehensive about standing up for the truth and for justice. The third and final thing he says is avoid having people who are greedy amongst your uh, enforcers of your system or people who you can consult with. Because he says if you have people who are greedy, then they want for themselves. They don't want to share with others. They're not going to be open-handed and giving in their concern for the society. And so they would oppress people by their greed, by their um, wanting to have more for the self and for their own rather than sharing with the rest of society. So from this tradition we gather that when it comes to leadership, when it comes to um, having people around you, whether again it be at a level of a family, a religious community or, a, or an institution or a company, we as believers need to make sure that we are choosing the right people for the right task. We shouldn't let nepotism get to us because he's my brother, my father, my uncle, my aunt, my cousin, I'm going to have them in positions of, of, of authority. No, they should be qualified and worthy individuals. And not only qualified in terms of their uh, you know, their standing and their degrees and the diplomas and their, you know, your work experience, but also we should ensure that they have the moral, spiritual, ethical qualities that Islam has envisioned for its followers to have so that they would not take the rights away of the people or they would not um, give too much to the society at the same level. So again, when we look at our advisors and people that we rely on for support, let us look at not only their uh, qualities and, and their criteria in terms of their education, but also that they fulfill the religious aspect, the religious qualifications that they have to lead and govern and give us advice and guidance when we are in such need. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yeah.